Welcome to the Beer Fly Podcast. Today, we welcome Sam and Sarah from Elsewhere Brewing, a new brewery here in Atlanta who also play on a travel theme like we do at Round Trip. I am Billy Rudolph, one of the hosts here. Uh, fun fact, I am the, and this is true, I am the great descendant of some brewer who worked at the Greasy Dick Brewing Company in St. Louis in the mid-1800s. Is that is that name still taken? What is Can somebody take that? It went away, and now they're back because some like actual direct descendants are uh, have reclaimed it. Now it's not spelled greasy, greasy dick. dick like you would think. <laughs> <laughs> it's like G R I E S E then like D I K or something something like that. They meant it though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Captain, welcome you aboard our flight today. The crew will start beverage service shortly. I'm Craig Mykoski. I'm the CEO, head brewer, and director of remote control car operations. Um, a fun fact about me, I don't know if it's a fun fact or just a, a strong statement. Um, but I make the best breakfast tacos in Atlanta. Uh, you should be really careful like, when you say that. <laughs> okay, from Texas, but lately I've been up in my game. Uh, kimchi. Oh wow! Yeah. What else with kimchi? Also, also, um, I, I'm a big fan of the vegan chorizo that's out there. Always, no questions about it. Always corn. Corn tortilla. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. has to be corn. No yeah. I like, I like fancy for eggs. This podcast recording. Yeah, I like yeah. fancy eggs too. Like that's very rude to just bring that up when our guests are like, "Well, I can't try it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Show, show us. Show. Oh, wow. <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> well, we are joined today with by Sam and Sarah from Elsewhere Brewing, uh, which is located in the Beacon in Grant Park, uh, right here in Atlanta. It's a lovely spot, guys. Um, the good, it's good beer. It's good food. Um, so I'm going to let them tell their story and let them introduce themselves. Um, but can you, can you guys give us your background and everything? Yeah. yeah. So do you want to start? Uh, sure. Yeah. You can introduce yourself. So Sarah, Take Sam, care. fun fact about us is, uh, we had food poisoning on our wedding day. Very yeah. fun. Not just any food poisoning. Everybody got food poisoning. So all 25 guests. At least everybody remembered it. Yeah, everybody remembered the sad part. It was uh, yeah, yeah. It was the night before we flew in. We drove in raw oysters from the Washington coast. We're not sure what caused uh, it, but there were a lot of things that could have caused it. Was the oysters or the steak that was shipped in that we received that was a little too warm, but it was expensive, and we're like, we're just gonna cook it. Gonna eat it. So (laughs) and we all paid for it, but nobody died. Nobody died, and we're here today. So nobody died. Yeah, a little about our story. Um, so we started this endeavor in Washington State after Sam was in a parachuting accident with the Army. Um, yeah. We kind of had an epiphany going, do we want to go to Wall Street and get, a, get into like finance? And for me, it was my career in branding, or do we totally switch it up and do something that we're much more passionate about and love? Mm-hmm. And so I started working at a brewery in Tacoma, Washington that had just opened. I spent my life growing up in hospitality and I left it to get into the branding business and 
quickly decided office politics was not for me. Mm -hmm. The whole culture was just totally different than hospitality. So I took this job at this brewery called Seven Seas. Uh, it was like their second tap room at the time opening and Sam was couch bound yeah. at the time. At the time I was couch bound and I'd watched everything on Netflix. Uh, this was back in 2015 uh, when Netflix was not as cool as it is now. And um, I was looking for something to kind of train myself to walk again and like get up and exercise a little bit. And I had graduated from making like sandwiches in the kitchen. I was looking for something a little more sophisticated. And I bought like a homebrew kit off a of Northern Brewery. I just was like, let's try this out. And so I started to homebrew and it kind of, it got me, you know, stronger to kind of walk without crutches and all that stuff. And uh, needless to say, yeah, the accident definitely made us kind of think about um, what we wanted to do with our lives. Yep. And um, I, at the time, we were thinking of maybe getting into distilling. Um, and so I had already planned on doing a distilling course out in Spokane, Washington at a small distillery called Dry Fly Distilling. Um, and and I went out there after, you know, I, I actually, you know, kind of had a decent recovery. And um, during that recovery, I went out to uh, Spokane for a week, did the dry fly distilling thing. And on like the last day I was there, we were reading the newspaper and we saw that um, Ballast Point had sold to Constellation oh, Brands yeah, for like a billion dollars. For, for $1 billion. Probably and possible just, and over evaluation. <laughs> very much so. They just recently <laughs> sold for three yeah, yeah, years. And so, quick th tidbit about that. This so that Kings and Comics brewery yeah. that bought them up. So, about a year before. Uh, that Kings and Convicts bought Ballast Point. I was in the Kings and Convicts tap room. So I I was there. I mean, it's nothing. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, our, our event space here at Round Trip, um, I mean, the, their whole entire operation's like smaller than this. And th there was like five tanks in there, a little, I mean, it, it, there was, the, the bar area was was like five bar stools and a couple taps. And I was just like, this is bizarre. But I think there's something uh, going on. Like there was some big investor who thought, well, instead of doing incremental growth, like I have so much money, I'll just buy ballast point. <laughs> That's a big jump. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty wild. So needless to say, yeah, I mean, I was, we probably all read the same news article back in 2015. I'm sitting down with these guys who have committed their lives to distilling whiskey and they're like man maybe we got into the wrong business maybe we should have gotten into beer and i'm just like they're taking notes you know <laughs> um needless to say i actually had a friend hit me up like the week after that and he's just like hey i'm thinking about opening up a brewery would like you to maybe get involved in it and we ended up not working with with that guy but um it definitely kind of changed our azimuth to look from distilling to beer kind of at the tail end of 2015. Um, and so, so you, yeah. you were, uh, you had your homebrew kit. Did yeah. You, were you doing anything with like distilling? No, no, no. I, I, I didn't have any experience in distilling, but it was one of those things where I was like, well, this could be interesting. Yeah. Let's explore it. So I went and, um, did this distillation course, um, out in Eastern Washington and, kind of determined after that that maybe we should focus on beer instead. We, we were wondering why there were so few <clears throat> distilleries like at the time out west. Well, it's also, it's also it's uh, also a little bit of a 
different business model where you Very have much. to wait on product for yeah. a long time. Entirely. So we yeah. learned yeah. through the, the process the cooperage, why yeah, there the, so little. The barreling shortage. I mean, there's a barreling shortage in, in the States um, just because of the boom in craft distilling. And then you, you, it's, it's just a complicated business. It has its own complexities. Yeah. yeah. And there's, you know. I mean, and you have, I mean to make any money, you really just got to buy stuff from Kentucky and blend it for a while for at least three years before you have any products on for your own. You can make some vodka and gin too at the yeah. same time. Totally. So needless to say, yeah, we kind of shifted directions on that. Um, and then, yeah, like the next couple of years, I was just kind of get recovering. We were kind of developing a plan. Um, and I ended up getting medically um, separated out of the military in 2017. And Sarah, um, with her background in branding and marketing, was like, well, I think we should like travel around and develop this brand um, and make it like something a little more with some more depth to it. And I'm like, you know, I've been in the army for six years and all I've been doing is traveling. I'm ready to like not travel for a little while. And um, well, she won that argument because she was right about that. <laughs> she, um, the, the wives usually right. I, I learned that. That's yeah. that's why this place is even started. That's too. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I would say she has all the good ideas, and then I have to go try to figure out ways to like make the good ideas <laughs> potentially happen. But um, but yeah, we basically put all our stuff in storage out in Tacoma, Washington, in July of 2017. Lived out of the back of our truck. Um, for the next four months as we kind of explored the United States and then um, parked the truck in Gwinnett County at my parents' house and flew to Mexico and started to just hop around the world. Well, that, this sounds like a great time to break for this next point to try beer. Oh, definitely. What's the rundown? What should we try first? Oh, since we're talking about the West Coast, you should probably start with the West Coast. West yeah. Coast? Yeah, we got a West Coast IPA, and I know Let's you guys it. got one too. And I saw a freshly rinsed glasses here on the table. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, this is yeah, a good place to start. Um, just because, yeah, we kind of, we cut our teeth on craft beer out in Tacoma, Washington. Um, What's your favorite brewery out there? Uh, in Washington State, I was. Yeah, you ever have Chuckanut? Yeah, Chuckanut's amazing. My, my buddy brewed at Chuckanut for a Chuckanut long time. Chuckanut probably produces some of the best lagers in the yeah. country. Um, Chuckanut's great. I'm a huge fan of Rubens in Seattle. Heard of them? I've had them. Their Pilsner's really nice. Yeah. Classic beer is really nice. Yeah. For the funky stuff, we do love Holy Mountain. Holy Mountain's they really do, great. Uh, they do saisons the and a lot of stuff. They got footers. Um, and they're really great. Uh, in Tacoma, uh, Seven E9, Seas Seven too. Seas is great. That's where Sarah worked. They had, you know, a great Pilsner. They do um, a nice variety. It's, it's hard because breweries, right, yeah. they do either like a whole spread of things or they do, you know, only spontaneous right, yeah. beers or only IPAs. So it's like we have a favorite yeah. brewery. For certain like things like, style. yeah, E9 and... Um, Tacoma was was also like a, a definitely a favorite. They did tons of cool spontaneous bottle condition stuff, but also you could go to their bar and their 
you know, their pale ale would still taste really good. Have you so been out in that direction? You know, I, I've been to Portland a couple of times uh, for a couple of con- We had craft brewers conferences been out there a couple of times, uh, but never has been in Seattle and just haven't had a reason to get out to Washington before. Okay. I, I want to go for uh, for some hop uh, stuff too. Yeah, yeah. They and, do uh, a, a on the peninsula. They do a strange brew fest. They call it every year, and they just every brewery in Washington brings like the weirdest shit that they can brew up. It's a from what I've heard. Of I've heard it's a good time. time, yeah, but we haven't been out As there. As you can imagine, very high ABV. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they put like brownies and stuff. Yeah. I, I say brownies, we brought a beer that basically is a brownie. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, this West Coast IPA is fantastic. Yeah, it's very, very clean, real yeah, nice. Super clean, just, you know, nice bitterness like to cascade, it that balances everything out. Exactly. Grapefruit, pine. Um, honestly, oh, like we were good. out in, in Seattle and 2018 or 19 and we were doing some backpacking and visiting friends and stuff and we went to a like a like a pretty good bottle shop in seattle and we're like you know i think it must have been 19 because we were pretty burned out on hazy ipas and we're like do you guys have anything that's filtered and they're like <laughs> they're like we've got one and it was a batch was it batch five was it um sticky hands from batch i can't remember they're down batch, in oil. Batch 19? Yeah. Batch something. But yeah, it's, it's called Sticky Hands. Yeah. Uh, and it was, yeah, the one beer that they had that was filtered. So it was like, block not f- even, block 15. block 15, block 15, yeah. And it was like, not and even we're in on the, the West, West Coast. Coast. We're like, we're on the West Coast. I can't even Finally, find a we can West get some West Coast beer. IPA on the West but, Coast. Yeah, that's fine. So yeah, we're, you know, we're big on the classics. Um, Viridity, our West Coast IPA, you know, like you said, it's grapefruit, clean, crisp, crushable. Um, yeah, until you guys, we were like, yeah. we want to make a West Coast because we can't buy one in Atlanta. Well, I'd say that, that Tropicalia is is like is kind of Sweetwater's IPA. They're straight Sweetwater. yellow can IPA. That's a classic. Yeah. It's been around for a long time. Um, so those two are pretty good examples of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's not what what's in right now, and it'll it'll. I do. Everything's cyclical. I mean, how is your soul? What's that? How is yours? Our soul yeah. great, great? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would say this is like yeah. our veridities, veridity and crowds. And it'll sell if you make it. And if yeah. you make it well, that's the thing with beer too. Well. Yeah. If, if uh, you know, if the beer is uh, what's available on site, especially if you're an on site facility like we are, like y'all are, and if it's really good, people are going to buy it. Yeah. So, you know, because I, I do have some brewers say, well, well, the public only wants hazy stuff. I'm like, well, that's because that's what you're making. Yeah. Like, right, <laughs> if right. you make a really good West Coast IPA, they're all, they're gonna drink that too. Yeah, and I think you're right. Definitely in the distribution, it's totally different it's when different people ball. are going to liquor Well, distribution world's a little bit different too because right. distributors they are going to take what's hot in the market and tell right. you that's what we want because that's what's hot, yeah. and they'll try to dictate your business a little bit. But if you want to make sure that you're dictating your business, you're gonna say. You have to be a little more upfront with the distributors. Yeah. And uh, we, we have not gotten into those conversations uh, just yet, but uh, it'll be interesting when we do. Yeah, because I'm, I'm interested to see what they are going to say about yeah. what our brands are. I'd say the limited amount of distribution we've gotten involved in, I'm surprised at how much demand there is for the West Coast IPA, the Dark Check Lager, and like if, if they can get their hands on our Pilsner, it's... We'll obviously push a lot of double IPAs and stuff out in the market, but there's huge demand for just crushable classics mm-hmm. um, from what we've noticed. So I don't know if that's new trends or what, but 
Um, you know, the you know, I, get, I get away from the trends. I really think yeah. it's, is the beer really good? That's it. Yeah. Then people are, and as a brewer myself too, I'll feel much better about putting it on the market. Something that I just feel really good about yeah. rather than nice. I got to push the next trend out there yep. because that's what people are asking for. Yeah. If the beer is no good, I don't even want to put it in a can. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you definitely don't want to put it in a can because it'll just get worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beer does not get better in a can. <laughs> no. Yeah. It gets, it'll, it'll, yeah. Let's, uh, let's continue with the story. Yeah. yeah. Mexico. So, We've landed so, in Mexico. Yeah. yeah. Now you have a jumping off point. Where'd you go? What'd you do? You pick up here? Yeah, yeah. In a nutshell, we spent four months um, going from Mexico, mainly Oaxaca. Spent a lot of time there. Some good mezcal down there. Yeah, I yeah. just fell in love with the price of mezcal down there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I kind of got our concept for what we realized at the end is we wanted like the good Oaxacan um, Aztec look. So we put some of the tile, hand painted tiles from Oaxaca. Those came into our tap room through mutual friends. Um, our furniture, furniture came yeah. through a mutual friend that is a furniture maker in Mexico. Yeah. And then uh, we spent some time in Mexico City, but then we were kind of learning Spanish there because as you get into like Colombia and Chile, like Argentina. it just becomes harder and people become less uh, well, accepting more, of your broken Spanish. Well, there's more slang. Like, so Mexico and like Cuba and Peru had really like clean traditional Spanish. So it was like, and my Spanish is total garbage. But Sarah was actually really trying to practice it so that we could kind of like survive off of her linguistic skills. Um, but in Mexico, it's a good place to learn Spanish. And so we spent a while there trying to get comfortable with the culture and the language. And then from there, we jumped to uh, Colombia. And basically the way it went down is like, we would just send an email out to like 20 breweries in Bogota and Medellin. Actually Facebook messaging. Facebook messaging. Because the reason yeah. why we went to South America and Mexico is because we tried, we wanted to learn about beer all over, not just Europe where it's, you know, mm -hmm. most known for, yeah, right? right. But we couldn't find any articles, anything. This is back in 2016. We couldn't find anything on South American beer. We knew Brazil like had something yeah, going right. on, mm -hmm. but in all other countries we couldn't. So we're like, let's go explore it. Sam was vlogging, writing part-time. And so we're like, we could kind of use this as leverage to be like, would you like to meet with us? We will write about you. We'll potentially get you in some bigger articles. So that was like an easy yes for people down there. So we would message people on Facebook, say, can we meet you, just chat with you, interview you. And a lot of, almost everybody said yes, yeah. which is cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm trying your, to think your of- Your industry is very open. It is. Most yeah, places I've been, so. I'm trying to think of like, if there's any like fine craft beer or breweries that I had in uh, Bogota or Cartagena, but it was mostly just, well, tequila. And whatever, like the local lager was. I mean, we were we that's were playing mostly what you're Tejo gonna get. And, uh, yeah, you know, you would Tejo. buy. Are you talking about the exploding? Yeah, game? yeah, yeah. So for the uninitiated, so um, I, I mean, go really. watch Anthony Bourdain. But you, you take a rock <laughs> and you throw it like you would cornhole, so but funny. it lands on um, basically explosive. Yeah, yeah. it hits the gunpowder on so the it ring and it explodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and wild. we the, <laughs> these guys put on a show where we were we were down like in a pueblo area and outside Bogota, but. Um, you would, there was no cost to play. You would 
you would buy uh, basically a case of beer for like twenty, like twenty four beers, and it only cost like a couple bucks, right? Like literally just a couple US dollars. That's and you could play as long as you want, as long as you were drinking. But yeah, it was like the most basic lager that you know, yeah. whatever. It was you know, good time. It did the job. It, it gets yeah. the job done. But that was like, I mean, that was generally our experience, you know. And the only way we'd find this craft beer is you'd have to go to the brewery and. And, and we learned, like, after speaking with and meeting with all these people, the reason why it doesn't exist is because they're all brewing on, like, one-barrel systems. Half for, oh like They do six-batch days. They do, six like... Six-batch days for, like, a tap room there, that can seat, like, 100, is. you know, maybe not 100, like, 50 people. And so the amount of work wow. it takes, they're using dry yeast because they don't have access no to light yeast. yeast. Um, I mean, you can imagine like, all the raw materials are. Yeah, they just don't well, what it sounds like, and I had uh, one of my buddies, Jason, who started up Cerveceria Colorado in Denver. Um, he spent a lot of time in Mexico and Brazil and South America. Um, and it, it, from what it sounds like, it's like, um, I guess the brewing industry in the U.S., like early 90s, late 80s, like there wasn't a lot of access to good hops, good malt, good yeast, whatever. And no, their equipment was either dairy. equipment was either dairy or giant, you know, giant tanks that you got yep. from like a big brewery that shut down or whatever. And there was nothing in between like we have now. So it sounds like it's like, you know, just 25, 30 years behind where we are. That's kind of what I felt yeah. like when we were traveling through South America. I was like, this is probably what the craft beer scene was like in California. These guys are very excited and just yeah. trying to get something started yeah. up. And it's what was amazing is like, uh, there's obviously like a lot of not great beer, but there's there was a lot of good beer still, you know? Um, yeah. And every town we'd go to, there would be like a brewer who's, you know, kind of brewing out of his house, but like, selling it to you know pubs and grocery stores and stuff so what what did was it legal to do that or do you yeah, know well the, it's like uh the yeah. laws down it depends on the country it's kind of who, who you know it depends on what country you're like, in. it was yeah. weird you'd go to colombia like in bogota the few facilities we visited they like had to wear goggles hair nuts white suits up to like their neck and toes like as yeah. if they were working in a lab and they're like this really? is the law here like we cannot get away with brewing yeah. Yeah. So, so that was weird in colombia out yeah. of all places like, and, and also in colombia you are it is illegal to drive within 24 hours of consuming any alcoholic beverage um something that we knew about but we also had to experience the hard way i will not get into that story on here <laughs> You guys were in Argentina for a spell? Oh, yes. Quite a bit, yeah. So how, well, how long total in South America? Four months. Four, yeah, four yeah. months in South America, one month in, in Mexico. Okay. So my experience with Argentina, and this is really just in Buenos Aires, is they're, they're much more advanced with beer. I mean, Definitely. every yeah. if you're in the Palermo district. Uh, the Palermo the, district was hot. Did you go awesome. to a Strange Brew? I don't remember. Okay. How long ago was it? Uh, this was probably two, three years ago. Oh, okay. oh yeah. But, They're around. But yeah. like, you know, every single corner has a, a beer bar yeah. and it's they're awesome. serving the Argentas. Yeah. And, and there's, there's a big, big yeah. beer competition down there. I think that's based there that I'm invited to go yeah. judge at. And I, so I think it is. In yeah. 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 So I think it's pretty. 
It's definitely it's much bigger than any other yeah. country that I've been to. In so, and, and so I'm guessing, what about like raw materials down there? Because I, I know there's some hops being grown in Argentina. So yeah, there's hops being grown and, and, and then they're like so they're not that good from what I've heard. They would be they're good, harvested. but they're processing, yeah. so they're not very good at processing it because yeah. it requires a lot of capital. Right. A lot of you know equipment and they just don't have that mm-hmm. um storage and they don't have those capabilities that's somewhere with new zealand hops too they, they ship the, yeah. the bales to the u.s to get processed because process. they don't really have the facilities in new zealand because it's um i mean the equipment's in, insanely expensive right oh yeah i've, I've gone through some of this pelletizing yeah. warehouse it's i mean and it's the, the margins crazy aren't capital. great uh, you have to do a lot of volume you know just like any kind of distribution yeah Yeah. distributing beer is no different was it cascade they're mainly growing down there? that's what i've heard mostly cascade i've heard well i also heard that back when there was that hop shortage i don't know around 2012 or something like that um a lot of american brewers went down to south america to get cascade hops and found out very quickly it's a totally different product right (laughs) yeah so they do have raw materials and honestly like Argentina has the perfect environment to grow hops to grow they, they, because if you think about it it's it's like the same size as the United States but it's it's positioned vertically on the globe as opposed to horizontally so you have all these different like longitudinal longitudinal different regions uh you know, going north to south, that allows you to do, you can grow wheat, you can grow barley, you can grow hops. Like there's just a lot of potential, but there just hasn't been a lot of investment. Um, I would say most of the hop production probably just goes towards brewing kilmes, which is like their their um, their uh, domestic, domestic lager. lager. And they probably just, yeah, use Cascade or whatever the cheapest. But the, be- the best bittering, breweries we went to were in Buenos Aires. Aires sure. Yeah. There's a, so there's a brewery called Strange Brew and they're hard to forget because their logo is a, uh, it's like a raccoon, raccoon having sex with another mounting, animal. mounting a dog or a yeah. cat or something. Yeah. It's a, um, and I just thought of like, <laughs> I'm a big, strange brew. Yeah. yeah, you should Google it. But um, they had but yeah. the best like modern styles of craft beer yeah. that we had tried. They and they were on lockers. probably a, a 15 barrel system, which is also one barrels, of the bigger Yeah, which was huge. Too. You were like, yeah, it was started by an Argentine guy. And then like two Norwegian. two Norwegian guys, mm-hmm. and they all went to school up in California together. And we just saw them like published in Hop Culture the other day, so they're doing. They're definitely they're obviously doing getting well. some notoriety. Um, but yeah, they but they don't brew any beer twice, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know, I, I know a lot of breweries that do that. But it's a little bit tough on a fifteen barrel system. Yeah, yeah definitely. it's definitely tough. Yeah, I can but, see like a two to five barrel system you can yeah, just at 15 turn barrel yeah. stuff at 15 barrels and we might be wrong about it well it's probably in hectoliters but yeah um it seemed like a lot well maybe it was you know, more it was like big. 10 it was at least 10 barrels probably yeah. um but they crushed hells house and pilsners and hazy ipa it was actually really impressive that they could they had a very like pretty impressive range of beers um and then yeah like uh bariloche like down in patagonia we spent a lot of time down there too and the beer scene down there is um is pretty well developed and it's kind of historically kind of an interesting story because um after world war ii argentina was run by a fascist and they welcomed in a bunch of nazis 
to that's avoid. That's bad, right? What's up? That, that sounds bad. Yeah, it's not good. Yeah. It's Nazis not good. are bad. <laughs> let's, let's clear that up. <laughs> Fascism, not good. A lot of these Nazis were trying to avoid the Nuremberg trials, and they, they went and hid out in Patagonia. And they started a bunch of breweries in Bariloche. In Bariloche, they started this colony. There's these weird, it, there's these weird little pockets, and Bariloche is one of them. And so I knew like, they're hiding out down there, but I didn't know about yeah. this part of the story. Yeah, yeah. So they, it looks like it's very Bavarian it looks, looking. It looks like the Alps, this part yeah. of yeah. Argentina. So they were like at home, I guess. They left the eagle's nest and went down to Bariloche and started brewing pilsners and hefeweizens and stuff. So the craft so beer scene beer down scene there, there is pretty big. Patagonia Brewing Company is, Sorry, I think, Barry. originated in um, Bariloche, which is probably the biggest uh, craft brewery out of Argentina. Probably one of the biggest out of South America because they were bought by, I think, AB InBev or... or yeah, they're, they're hardly craft. Yeah, you can't call them craft anymore, yeah. but locations but yeah we fell in love with Argentina and Patagonia and so what we kind of took from there was more of the food component that really stuck with us because um, this was kind of our first time eating this style of food with beer and like the charred heavy meats and grilled things just went so well with with beer compared to you know wine is obviously huge down there but as you would drink like a glass of Malbec and then you would you know, have like, a pilsner and the pilsner just like yeah. If you're eating like a, a sausage job. or a steak, like even a steak, like a beer is going to crush a wine like nine times out of ten when it comes to food, just because it's carbonated. Yeah, it could yeah. have nothing else Cut just because it's carbonated. Yeah, that's bad. And it's just yeah. gonna flush, you know, um, all the fat off your tongue, and you're gonna have the next bite. It's gonna be great. So, yeah, so like Sarah was saying, we were crushing these, you know, chorizo sausages and steaks and just grilling every night and like having, you know, beer with it. And it's a dream right there. It was yeah. pretty sweet, yeah. yeah. There was this was like weird nice. bar in Buenos Aires that we were, it was kind of like near the street market. We saw smoke coming out of the front door. And it like looked like the place was on fire maybe. And I don't know, but the smell was fantastic. And so, we're like, we should go in there and see what's happening. Like where that smells originating from. We walk in and there's like two like young guys, probably like, you know, 30, 30 to 35. And there's like Led Zeppelin playing. They're both wearing like Rolling Stone shirts. There's one tap, it's Kill Maze, which is their domestic lager. Behind the bar, they've got like a brick, uh, open fire grill situation happening with, you know, where they're burning the wood down to charcoal. And they're cooking blood sausage, chorizo sausage, pork, and giant pork butts. And it's like kind of like, you know, I'd like a chorizo sandwich. And they grab it off there, put it on there. They have the chimichurri, the salsa criolla, and, you know, a pork butt sandwich. They slice a slice of the pork butt off, finish it off over the fire. And it's like, I remember we were eating it and just crushing this like super cheap lager. And we're like, this, uh, this could be a good food situation, maybe for the brewery. <laughs> so, something, something different. different. Yeah, no, yeah, I mean, I what you guys did is like different. It. You know, yeah. especially in the area. I mean, there's there's a couple Brazilian steakhouses, but it's different it's from not, a Brazilian steakhouse. Yeah, right. it's not a meat trough. Yeah, and our and our food program is evolving. Like originally, yeah. we were like, we're just gonna do South American food, but our new chef that's been with us, like our kind of flavors and different ingredients and stuff has kind of been turning into, well, we have a little bit of Argentina, 
Peru, we also have a little bit of Peruvian some Mexican. Mexico. So, so it's kind of the awesome strong is the chimichurri game strong? Oh the chimichurri yes. game is very so strong. Yeah. We, we made a good okay. friend good in, chimichurri, in Patagonia yeah. who's a chef and he provided <laughs> us with like these are the yeah. rest, the authentic recipes, and he gave them to yeah. us. That's, that's that's really good. Yeah. We worked with him kind of as we developed the food menu, and then honestly, like February of 2020, right before the uh, COVID became like closed everything off, we flew down. We were in Patagonia for two weeks, working with Richard down in Patagonia, tasting all the food and, and doing all of that. So we we managed to to fit that in before everything started to fall apart last year. But yeah. We are big fans of Argentina. So. But yeah, and then to, to, to wrap up our travel story, we went to Europe. No, 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 no. We're not going to wrap We just all oh, you on trip. No, no, no. We're probably at 45 minutes. We're good. We'll tell you when it's time. Slow this down. Yeah. But anyway, so so you leave there and you're, so where'd you fly to? You went to Europe and where'd you fly into? We flew into Brussels. Perfect. Stop there. Let's yeah. open a beer. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Uh, what do you want let's next? Let's see. I mean, we've do you got want to go another amber lager? You want to go amber dark check or dark check or pilsner? Uh, pills, please. All right, excellent. So the pills, we use um, we use a Bavarian yeast strain, uh, 100% pilsner malt, and then 100% saws cool. for the hops. So I, I hope you didn't delete this photo from your Instagram, but there was. There was a photo that you had, and it was, I think, a special you did one weekend where, like, the meat was hanging from um, a hook of some kind. And there was some stuff going on in, in the world, and I kept sending that photo to people. I'm like, this is all I'm thinking about right now. Meat and I didn't a get a chance to try it, but, like... Was it on a plate? Yeah, it was, like, a hook with the meat on it, and there was a plate below uh, it. Yes. Was the duck? A, that controversial... The duck ham? No, I think it was. Oh, it was the, con- uh, controversy. Yes, yes, a mixed asado plate. Um, oh, so we've yeah, been yeah, so yeah, yeah. just to be real here. You know, our name is elsewhere, and we've been featuring different styles of beer and food throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, we are not from any of those places. Um, but recently, I was called out for. Um, culturally appropriating uh, in this way and those dishes was one of those items and so I had some back and forth to explain that the title of that dish was actually appropriate to what my friend in Argentina had called it that but this person was from another South American country or I'm sorry Central American country and they said, well, that's not what it means in my culture. And so but there was Argentina, some back and forth that dish is actually yeah. no longer on the menu. So I just went and took it off to, because I almost felt like, am I, if this is on and they can go and look a month back and someone comes in now today and is like, I want this dish. And I'm like, well, that dish isn't on anymore. So anyway, I just. Yeah, we did take it, that one down. Wiped it clean. Owning a business is fun, right? It's yeah, so yeah, much fun. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Yeah, totally. <laughs> trying to do things in other languages too. Well, yeah, yeah so. it's hard. And that's the hard thing. We're I've trying to share, like if anything, we're trying to share and expose these things and introduce people to other things that we were excited about to stumble upon when traveling. Um, but that's, that's the hard thing is, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it, anything can be offensive to somebody. Yeah. So. I, in a, my previous role, I, I had to do translations um, in my marketing that I did. Um, sometimes it included French, but in West Africa. 
um, Spanish uh, in, in uh, all throughout the Kala region, uh, Central America, Latin America, uh, and as, as well as Spain. We had to do Chinese, Russian, um, and there's probably one other I'm completely blanking on. But when it came to Russian, it was very difficult uh, for translations because none of us could read it. And Chinese was well, but we had people in China um, who, who we worked with that, you know, could help us with anything. Russian was completely different. But yeah, we, we would get in trouble almost daily. Like, hey, you can't say this phrase. You got to say it this way. And then the next person would come in and say, well, you can't say it this way. And we're talking about the same phrase because you have to say it this way. And they're from a completely different region or something. And it just, yeah, I sympathize with that. It, it, it can be tough. Yeah. yeah, and I think it what it comes down to is like what is your intent? Like is your intent to like expose and share like a piece of a part of culture and you're trying to do your best. Um I think as long as you're open to being corrected and you know moving forward with that, that's all you can do. I mean, yeah. our culture here in the United States is a melting pot of everything. There are yep. no um I mean, we're getting to a point where it's no longer so segregated of all these different, you know, cultures and, and aspects of people where they're from. So it's, I mean, it's always a learning experience for people about different backgrounds and yeah. history. And so we're, we're always learning. Yeah. Like you said, owning a business is super fun. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Let's keep it light. Yeah. <laughs> let's get it. Let's, uh, let's steer away from that. Um, so before we go, before we go to Europe, got a segue because I'm drinking beer. Uh, so sometimes after a good weekend, I get on Untapped and see what's going on. Just for a giggle, usually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You have yeah. to have a sense of humor on. Oh yeah, yeah. And usually, and usually, the best beers on Untapped are. The, well, this is a fact. The best beers on Untapped are rated like a three and a half. Yeah, no, they typically. Like Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. It's like one of the best beers in the world. It's probably three, some three high, low threes. Thank you for the reminder of that because. I forget to look at yeah. the highest rated. When, when, somebody, does a, when somebody rates me as yeah. a five, I'm like, that person is probably drunk. They had to <laughs> 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 So anyway, so I'm going to read a couple of your reviews from Untap. Um, so two of them. I, I try to find the two just most humorous ones. Um, so one, one, sh one short, one's a little longer. The first one is Sun's Kiss to the Moon, which oh, okay. is a hazy, hazy IPA? Yeah. New England IPA? It's a hazy IPA that pours pink. Uh, we use hibiscus and black, current. um, black currants in it. So it, it's kind of a, it's a pink colored it's, hazy it's IPA. It's not bitter as an IPA with But it's well, a yeah. New we, England. We have one of those. Yeah, right. You know. It's not supposed to be bitter when yeah. it's a, yep. the New England sauce. <laughs> So, uh, so they rated four point two five. So, wow. so pretty, pretty high. It's pretty high. <laughs> Probably drunk. <laughs> um, just the review just says fucking fantastic. And that's it. <laughs> I wish more reviews were like that. Can we get more of this person to review our beers? I hope that was someone's grandma who rated that. I wish yeah. it was. Fantastic. Oh my god! I hope she's like ninety-five well, years old. Actually, funny thing about this beer is, so none of none of us owners are executives drink this beer but we know that it's it's hitting a certain niche part of our of our beer drinkers and we recently decided to 
No, that's how you get any customers. They're gonna come I, in and like, yeah. where the hell is I this? Well, I and then they're gonna leave you an nasty review. Yeah. Well, today, <laughs> you have to have every beer on all the time. That's the rules. Well, of course. Cans. Today, <laughs> the first time I hear from Atlanta Magazine is they're like, "Can I come in today, photograph this beer, and get some cans to go?" And I'm like, "We're we're on our last keg of this beer, and this is not even the beer that like." Not even our beer. Yeah. So, well, this is our beer, but we don't have it anymore. You're right. We, we sold angry, out of angry customers to come out. after us. Yeah. I'm sorry. That's a great review, though. Um, fucking fantastic. You know, just a message to all the untapped people out there. If you could leave more reviews like that, <laughs> just short and sweet. Short and right? sweet. I don't. We don't really care about like, what you think ego. about the hops. Like, just yes or no. <laughs> Um, so I'm having the Carouse? Carouse. Carouse. Sorry, that's, that's No, you're yeah. good. You're good. It's Carouse. Carouse. Uh, I'm sure some people asked for the Carouse. Oh, so. oh yeah. <laughs> I asked for the company. Asked okay. for the Carouse. Yeah. So I think my dad calls it Carouse. Um, so the Carouse. Carousel. Carousel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Randy. He did uh, So, uh, European style Pilsner, you said all sauce hops. Um, so, I get a nice, just, it's just like a clean, nice, subtle, sweet grain character yeah. uh, with just enough hops that give enough spice, but not in any sort of overpowering way. So, super clean, nice. But not, there's another Pilsner, pro- Proletarian? Proletarian. Proletarian yeah, yeah, Pilsner. Yeah. So, that um, is our, uh, yeah, our industrial lager. Um, you know, we use like a little bit of corn adjunct to kind of give it a little bit more of an American character. Um, we were using the Coors yeast strain on the first batch, but we're switching up to a different yeast strain to kind of like dry it up a little bit more. But um, so, what yeah. was it ever called? Modern Pilsner? Yeah, it is called modern. We call it. Modern. Was it a, I thought it was the industrial we, pilsner we, on we the can. We switched back and forth. On the can, it says. So, so, so well, style-wise, it says modern, modern pilsner. pilsner. Sure. Okay, there, there's some guy here that's real mad. He's <laughs> <laughs> real mad, and he so he, he raised the proletarian pilsner, but then he takes a picture of something that says modern pilsner and lists all the stats, you know, the ABV, IBU, whatever. So somewhere this was posted, but then he just goes into. C pick exclamation point. Fucking dude talk all the spear talk. Shut up and get the menu, bitch, and register all y'all shit, location, beer, etc. <laughs> Fucking up my untapped. Fix it, scallywag. I drink my I drink this shit, not study it. Oops, it was me. I messed up the name. All well, 400 years. I have no idea. Wow. <laughs> no clue. That's crazy. So was that drunk or drugs? I don't what know. What was the rating on the beer? It should be I, like not too bad. Yeah, bags, right? 4.75. 4.75. No, no, sorry, sorry. T- sorry, 2.75. Okay. Oh, okay. 4.75. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. Not, not bad. Dude, for being that angry, 2.75. So I'm confused. What is he mad about? I don't know. He calls what a scallywag. Scallywag is not something you throw around. I don't I'm even not know sure. what that means. Anyway, that's... Uh, it's someone who moved from uh, elsewhere to the south. <laughs> a carpetbagger. Uh, maybe is someone who was sympathetic to the north who lived in the south. Oh. Uh, like during the gotcha. Civil War. I got those two. Do you yeah. think he was using that in context properly? Doubtful. Well, he, he might have been maybe with he's a scallywag. Really, maybe he's know. really well read. I don't know. But I, I didn't even know what a scallywag was, so... 
he sounded like that whole paragraph was just like translated from another language. Like none of it made sense. Maybe he's so. a Russian bot. Maybe, Maybe there's a Russian <laughs> bot drinking our proletarian. This is I mean, it wouldn't AI surprise me like, yeah. if a Russian bot's drinking proletarian pilsner. Yeah, right. I mean, that sounds yeah, like right. something a Russian bot would Marsh drink. stuff right here. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. The, the official beer of the Russian Revolution. Sam of Elsewhere Brewing for joining us to record this episode. As you may have realized, the recording went very long, so we're breaking this episode into three parts. Join us for part two and three when Sarah and Sam tell us of their travels throughout Europe, as well as more tales of the challenges every startup brewery faces. To learn of some of the breweries we discussed and the beer we sampled on this episode, check it out on our website at roundtripbrewing.com slash podcast. If you're thinking of stopping by Elsewhere Brewing here in Atlanta, well, you totally should. They are located in the Grant Park neighborhood, and there's an easy way to find it, but you'll have to pass by the Atlanta Zoo. Raccoon? Having sex with... Mounting mounting a dog or a yeah. cat or something. Yeah. Beerfly Podcast is a production of Round Trip Brewing Company, now open on the Upper West Side of Atlanta. Voiceover help from Chris Mikoski, design help from Scott Miller. We'll see you next time on the Beer Flight Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for flying with us today. We know you have many options in air travel, and we were probably the cheapest. The, the thing in front's really just to block like like air puffs kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These two microphones have been vaccinated, but that one still needs to wear a mask. Right. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Uh,